Guys, take your Bibles. Let's go to Jonah. We are in the book of Jonah, chapter 2, and Lord willing, we'll try and finish up. Uh, we got into this. I was, uh, I was a little too ambitious. I was thinking I could get through a chapter a week. <laughs> I should have known better. Um, we may not even finish this one this week, but we're, we're going to try. We're in Jonah, chapter 2, and we're talking about the mercy of God. And You see the mercy of God all through the book of Jonah. And um, especially here in, in chapter 2, we pick up the story. You know, Jonah has been fleeing from God. He's been like, I don't want anything to do with, this, with the presence of God. I'm going as far away from, from, from God's calling on my life as I can. And yet he finds himself on a ship uh, sailing towards Tarshish. And, a, and God brings a storm. God creates a storm to get Jonah's attention. To say, wait a minute, Bo, time out. You ain't going anywhere. And that storm gets so violent and crazy that it's going to rip, it's going to rip the ship apart. The sailors are freaking out. And, and so they're all crying out to their pagan gods. Nothing's changing things. They go find Jonah asleep down in the bottom. And they're like, man, wake up. You need to call on your God because our gods ain't getting it done. Maybe your God will listen. And so Jonah ends up telling them, yeah, I know, I know what's going on. It is my God. He's the, he's the creator of all things. He's the God of the land and the God of the sea. And, and I'm kind of trying to run from him and... And they're like, man, what do we need to do to get things right? He said, look, just throw me overboard. Just throw me overboard. Sure enough, they throw him overboard, and immediately, the storm ceases. And these guys are petrified. They are fearful to the point that they repent, and they call on the God of Jonah and get right with God. And so we picked up the story, Jonah's sinking down into the water, and we are introduced at the end of chapter 1 how God prepared a great fish to hold Jonah till his heart and life gets right. And so we pick up our reading, and we'll just go through the chapter again in chapter 2 as we pick up the story. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried. And you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you've brought up my life from the pit. Oh Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. My prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Father, I pray again this morning that you would fill me with your spirit that you would just simply allow me to be used to proclaim your truth. And Lord, that I would do so in your power and that it would be done for your namesake and for your glory. And Lord, that you would draw all hearts near to you today as a result of this preaching, as a result of this teaching. And so Lord, you move as only you can move. And Lord, may we be humbled in your sight today as we reflect upon these great truths and knowing that you are a God of great mercy, even in the midst of judgment. May we turn to you and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. You recall uh, last week um, you were given an outline. I hope you have that outline. If not, you could have picked one up out on the table outside. Uh, feel free to grab one of those if you would like. We looked at this outline and 
Again, if you're filling in the blanks, uh, the power of the Lord, chapter 117, and that's where we saw uh, last time how the Lord had prepared this great fish to swallow Jonah. And we talked about the importance of that. Uh, we're in this section at this point, the prayer of Jonah. And again, he begins to cry out from the belly of that great fish and begins to pray. Uh, his heart has definitely been moved. It's been softened. And so he's crying out to the Lord. And then part three, we'll look at the puke of the great fish. And look, hey, God said he vomited him out. So I'm just using biblical language here. Um, and so uh, we'll look a little bit about the puke of the great fish as we get to that part. So there's your outline. Uh, we talked about, again, the power of the Lord and, and, and how He prepared this great fish and, and, and kind of talked about the importance of recognizing the miracle that took place. Guys, it was a miracle. It is a miracle. It's no less a miracle than Jesus walking on water or the resurrection of Christ from the grave. And so we don't have to spend all of our time trying to reason and argue that, well, you know, there, there are great whales today that, uh, you know, scientifically it could be proven that a man could actually uh, receive oxygen through the intake. Guys, we don't even have to go there. Now, if you want to go there, that's fine. I'm all for finding reason, reasoning tools to engage people. And we should do that. That's part of an apologetic ministry, uh, always being ready to give a reason. Uh, but at the end of the day... The scriptures tell us God prepared this fish. He prepared this great fish for this said purpose. And so, again, we talked about the power of the Lord in that, and that is vital because uh, we don't want to take away any of God's glory as if we even could. But God said it. He prepared it. He did it. The prayer of Jonah, and that's where we're at again now. And uh, We talked about five things that you find in this prayer. And so as we unpack this passage of Scripture, then we only got to about point two last time. But five things that we find in Jonah's prayer or Jonah's psalm. Jonah cried out, verses 1 and 2. And we saw that uh, last week. We talked a little bit about his crying out. And we talked about how it's important that you can, you can pray anywhere, you can pray anytime. But, but let me just go through these first, the five things. You can fill these in the blank and then we'll talk a little bit about them. So the five things in Jonah's prayer. Jonah cries out, verses 1 and 2. Jonah is cast out, verses 3 and 4. And then Jonah is closed up, verses 5 and 6. And you see these words right there in the text. And again, we, we recognize this, this natural uh, flow in the text. Then we see Jonah's confession in verses 7 uh, through 8. And then we, we'll talk about Jonah's communion in verse 9. These are the five things, again, that you find here in this passage of Scripture. But Jonah cries out, verses 1 and 2. We talked about how you can pray anywhere, anytime. I mean, we talked about how, wow, you know, you talk about a prayer closet. There's a prayer closet in the belly of a fish. Uh, notice again that God heard the cry. This is a cry of repentance. Um, God's got His attention. Sometimes your circumstances, it'll be a wake-up call, won't it? I shared my personal, a, a bit of my personal testimony of how, uh, like, a, like a saw on the road to Damascus, God, boom, got a hold of me, got my attention. Sometimes, guys, if you're trying to flee from the presence of God, you're trying to do your own thing, be warned. God's liable to get you attention. And he got Jonah's attention, and Jonah is crying out in repentance. You know, sometimes facing death has a way of making a person deal with what really matters. And so, don't wait until you get that news, or you're facing a, a, a life or death situation, before you decide it's time to turn to the Lord and cry out for help. I imagine there's been a lot of people who've been there and have passed by that opportunity. Now, I believe that as long as man has breath, the grace of God is available. But I also recognize that Scripture says that the Spirit of God will not always strive with man. And so I don't think it's something that we should toy with. It's not something we should play with. And so... Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that we should turn and call upon Him. Today's the day that we should cry out to the Lord with the attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving. And we see this, in this case, Jonah was spared. And so even in the midst of that judgment, there was great mercy to be found. Jonah was cast out, verses 3 and 4. 
And so we see that. Notice again who Jonah says threw him in. Now this is a great lesson in the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. The men are the ones who tangibly and physically chose to listen to Jonah and then obey Jonah. And they reacted with action. And they picked him up and they threw him in. But Jonah in his prayer says that it was God who did this. You know, oftentimes this comes up around Easter time and you'll hear people talk about, well, who crucified Christ? You know, was it the Romans? Was it the Jews? Was it God the Father? It pleased him to bruise his son, right? Christ said, I lay down my life. No one takes my life, I lay it down. So yes, D, all the above. And so again, we see this tension in this text between the sovereignty of God and responsibility of man. You see man executing and carrying things out, but yet he recognizes. And we talked about this as seen in the life of Joseph. Remember? Joseph, coat of many colors, and his brothers throwing him in the pit. They were the ones who, who actually purposed in their heart this evil plan to throw, jo- to, to throw Joseph into this pit. And we talked about how he went from the pit to prison. And he was in prison for, for a long time. And he did nothing wrong. Potiphar's wife, the floozy, was the one who chased him, right? And he left his coat and took off running. Young people, flee when there's a Potiphar's wife coming at you. I'm just saying that's good advice. Flee youthful lust. Get as far away from it as you can. But yet, even with that, he still ended up in prison. He went from the pit, he went to the prison, but he ended up, praise God, in the palace, right? Ended up being the second in command. And and then he tells his brothers in verse 50, Verse 20, but as for you, talking to his brothers, but as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people's lives. Had he not gone into that pit, he would not have ended up in prison. And if he had not gone to prison, he would have never ended up in the palace. Even in the midst of terrible circumstances, God has a plan, and that plan is not to be thwarted. Romans reiterates this. In Romans 8, we know but that these things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose, right? And it doesn't work out for the bad guy, but it works out for the good guy. And the only reason why you're a good guy is because you're in Christ. Christian, we don't boast in our own works. We don't boast in our own doings. But we should make ourselves available vessels as children of God and in spite, regardless of the circumstances, trust Him. Jonah's got no other choice in this situation but to trust in his God. He's in the belly of the fish. And he recognizes He should have been dead. If he got what he deserved, he deserved to be dead. Christian, if we got what we deserve, we deserve death. That's the only thing you and I have ever earned. God doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe me anything. It's only because of His grace. It's only because of His goodness we're not consumed. Some pastor said... uh, Genesis 4 should have never happened. Story could have ended at Genesis 3 when we rebelled. God would have been just to squish us out. But He didn't. In the midst of judgment, He extended mercy. He extended grace. And we are thankful for that grace. And that's what Jonah is here, even in the belly of the fish. He's thankful for that grace. So Jonah's closed up. This is where we're going to pick up today in verses 5 and 6. It says, the water surrounded me even to my soul. And that word is all-encompassing. Body, soul, spirit. It's all-encompassing. He's saying, look man, uh, every ounce of me, this water has just closed in, it's surrounded me. Uh, The deep has closed around me. Then he says a kind of strange thing in the prayer. I mean, this is just a blunt prayer, right? Weeds were wrapped around my head. When's the last time you prayed? <laughs> God, uh, these weeds are wrapped around my head. 
You know, I think Jonah actually started a new trend here. It's sweeping the nation. In fact, we have pictures of it. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Uh, here's one, one person. I guess they, they were having tr trouble in their prayer life. And so, you know how Christians are. They'll, they'll take any recipe from the Scripture and say, well, you know, maybe if I wrap some weeds around my head, God might hear me more. And so uh, this trend is continuing on. Here's a guy. He's really sanctified. And um, he, he's trying to draw nearer to the Lord. Uh, he's not to be outdone, though, by this person. Or this guy, he's really, he's, he must be charismatic. He's really into it. Uh, and even the senior saints are getting involved. Here's this guy here. He's, uh, I'm not sure if he's praying or if he's a chia pet. Um, and here's another guy. I told you, it's a trend sweeping the nation. Me and Nate were talking about trends earlier. And I said, this is probably not one of those trends you want to get involved in. Even the kids are doing it today. Even the children are doing it. And of course, Fido's not to be outdone either. He's, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, weeds were wrapped around my head. I mean, that's kind of a crazy phrase there that's in that text. But think about it for a second. He went down to the moorings. He's down at the foundations. He's down at the very bottom of the sea. He's down at the roots where all this seaweed is. And you can just picture, you know, the, how, what it's like in the, in the water and, and those giant bulbs at the base of seaweed. And, and so he, he's, he's sinking down deeper and deeper into the water. And it says that, He's there at the base of those mountains in the water because this is where those go into the sea and he's, he's creeping down, sinking further and further. And then the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Jonah thinks he's done, man. This is it. I'm dead. Now I wonder, and again, I just throw this out there, I wonder if those, those bars closing in behind him, if, if, if that's actually those teeth closing in behind him. He's recognizing, man, this is it. I'm, I'm toast. Can you imagine? Put yourself in his shoes for a minute. You have just come through this violent storm. You've watched these pagans crying out and doing some crazy rituals to try and get their gods to cease this storm. And it's not happening. They cast lots and it says, Jonah, you're the one who's the problem. And so he tells them the story and they throw him in. And now he's in the water. He hits that water and the water just settles. And he's sinking deeper and deeper and deeper. This is it, man. This is toast. He's getting all wrapped up in, in the weeds. And hey, fishermen, we know if you can actually fish in the midst of that stuff, that's where the big boys are, right? You know? And so he's down there getting in that and all of a sudden, he's taken in. He's done. He's got to think, man, this is it. We talked about how God had prepared this fish for this moment. That leads to Jonah's confession. Again, what are you going to do? Now, I don't pretend to know exactly what that experience must have been like. Again, I can just imagine for a moment. And so imagine with me, if you would, for a moment, what that was like. This word pit here used, if you notice in the text, um, it says that the, the weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains of the earth, and its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit. That word pit there, it's used to describe the realm of death. You see this in the book of Job and some of the psalm passages, even in Isaiah. And so Jonah, who's now in the midst of this, he's in the middle of the, of the, of the fish and he, he's, he's crying out. And again, I, I can imagine just pure darkness can't see. There's no light. He's wrapped in seaweed. And I don't know about you, but if you ever swim in the ocean and something just barely touches you, man, I'm, I'm not freaked out. You forget that garbage. I'm going to the pool. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. And he's just so wrapped up. And I, I kind of imagine, you know, some people you see these pictures of him sitting there building a fire. And, no, it ain't happening like that. 
I think he was probably so encumbered he couldn't even move. I think he was so tight with the, because of the muscles of that stomach contracting around him, trying to swallow him and not being able to kind of get him down. You know, kind of like me last night with that late night spaghetti. You know, just, oh, I wouldn't want to settle quite right. But, you know, he just, he, he's contracting. He's in there. He's not moving a lot. He can't see anything. Is this death? Is this it for me? Is this the end? But yet he recognizes he's somehow, some way, he's, he's still breathing. He's still here. Now, some have asked, well, did he die? Because Jesus, and we looked at this, and let's go over there just by way of refresher. Go over to Matthew. Hold your spot. But go over to Matthew. And we talked a little bit, but I want to read it again. Verse 12, or Matthew chapter 12, in verse 39. This is Jesus. He said, But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. By the way, Jesus believed the account of Jonah to be true and factual and historical. Jesus said it. Jesus believed it. I have no need to doubt it. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. Now, Again, when I read that and I think about that, oftentimes people will ask, well, well, then do you think Jonah died? Is it possible Jonah died? Because in order to fulfill this thing that Christ said, this is the only sign. So just like Jonah was in the fish, I'm going to be in the grave, and Jesus was in the grave. He was dead, right? And he rose from the dead three days later, so therefore Jonah must have rose from the dead. Well, that sounds good, and look, I'm not going to you know, divide over it. We can debate it, we can talk about it, no big deal. But I don't believe Jonah actually died. Again, you don't need a, a type or a shadow um, to be... It's never greater than the real thing, right? It's a type, it's a shadow. It's, 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 it's a pointing to. It's a, uh, and so again, here, I don't think we have to say that Jonah died in order for that to be true. And if you want to hold to that, that's fine. That's, that's, that's okay. But we get the account of him praying from the belly of the fish. I haven't visited the grave sites lately, but I haven't heard anybody praying out there. I'm just saying. So I think he's alive. Now, it's possible maybe that prayer comes at the latter part. Again, not something to, not a hill to die on. Or a fish to die in, whatever. But Jonah begins to confess here. Notice what happens in verse 7 of Jonah 2. When my soul fainted within me, there's an indicator, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. This indicates that he remembered the Lord. He remembered the Lord. And so I believe he begins to confess here. He's recognized he's been trying to flee the presence of God. He's wanted nothing to do with the presence of God. And now that he's in outer darkness, now that he's, he's in this situation that's the pit, he knows the, if he, he gets what he's going to get, he's, he's dying, he's going to die, he's near death's door. And now he doesn't want to flee the presence of God. Ever been there? You kind of want to live your life the way you want to live it. You don't want to yield control of what your life should be. You just kind of want to do your thing. Maybe I'll do that God thing a little later when I get a little older. Maybe 
maybe just in this situation, I'm going to kind of keep this one to myself. It's like opening up the doors of your home and saying, Jesus, come on in. You can have anything you want in this. It, it, listen, anything you want, it's yours. Just make yourself at home. Living room, absolutely. Yes, yes, you just enjoy the living room. Hey, kitchen, come on in the kitchen. Yeah, absolutely. Hallway, come on down. Um, this room, I'd rather you not mess with. It, this is kind of my room. <laughs> There's some things in here I really don't want you to see. There's some, some things here I don't want you to deal with. I don't want to talk to you about those things. That's kind of my area. Now, guys, that's kind of how we live our life sometimes. We want to compartmentalize our faith. We want to say, okay, God, yeah, you can have, you can have my life in, in this area. Church, okay, I'll give you church. I'll go to church, sure. Uh, uh, I, I tell you what, I even, even raise my family. We'll, we'll let you help me raise my family. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's okay. You know what? Uh, even in my entertainment, I'll let you have that. I'll give that stuff up too and let you lead me in that. And, and mm, job, yeah, I kind of need that one. Uh, yeah, that, that, uh, I can't really be a witness there for you. That I might kind of get made fun of or, or persecuted. Or maybe that's not it. Maybe it's the, well, these friends, I kind of, you know, they're fun to hang out with. I know they ain't where they need to be, but I'm going to be a witness to them. I'm going to help them. I'm going I'm to be a good influence. I'm going to be salt and light. But I don't want you to get in too close. So let me just kind of keep that door shut of my life. Guys, I think that's, part of our battle and part of our struggle. God has a right to the whole house. This is the temple. This belongs to God. It's been purchased. It's been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Him. And therefore, we're to glorify God in this body. And so Jonah is confessing. No doubt there was confession. And guys, I want to just kind of take this moment because if there's some compartmentalization going on in your life, it's a great opportunity to confess that. Before we find ourselves in the belly of the fish, so to speak, before some kind of circumstance, storm comes into our life, before we find ourselves in a dark place where we're restricted and we can't really move and we're feeling the crunch, we're feeling the, the, that, that fearful grip in the hands of an angry God. Why not confess now? Why not take this moment right now today and say, God, forgive me. I know what I'm doing is not right. And God, I need, to, I need to stop fleeing from you in this area of my life. I need to stop the immorality. I need to stop the lying. I need to stop the sin that is tripping me up. And I can't do it in my strength. And so, God, I'm turning to you today. I'm crying out now. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm, I'm pleading with you to help me. Change me. Give me the grace that I need to turn. Give me the grace that I need to overcome this sin. And surrender before we find ourselves in that situation. I think there's confession going on here. 1 John 1, 9, guys, this is our Christian's bar of soap. We need to bathe daily. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that promise is still true today, guys. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you've been thrown overboard. I don't care if you're sinking into the depths of Sheol. You can cry out 
And God's desiring that you cry out. The fact that you're even sitting here and hearing this, whether you're watching via TV or you're listening via podcast or you're right here in this auditorium, the fact that you are even hearing this proclamation is an extension of God's grace to you to say, turn, stop fleeing, return, and I will give you grace. He's a very present God in the time of trouble. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Woo-hoo! Man! Guys, you know this context. We went through this book. Because of who Christ is, because of what Christ has done, because of His shed blood on the cross at Calvary, because of His goodness, because of God's love, that's why we can even come boldly. That's why we can turn to Him in confidence and knowing that He hears us. And we can have that confidence. Not because of who we are, not because of what we're doing, but because of who He is and because of what He's done. We can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Man, that's good news. Jonah's, he, he's understanding it. He's knowing it. Now we see Jonah's communion. Notice what happens. By the way, I find it funny that, that he remembered his reason for running. Think about it. Why was, why was Jonah running in the first place? He didn't want to take the message to those evil, wicked Ninevites. Why? Because he knew who God was. He knew God would be merciful and forgive them. And so now the God of mercy and grace that he ran from, (laughs) he is now clinging to and holding to and crying out to. Isn't that just like us? Hmm. But Jonah's communion begins to take place. Notice, oh, by the way, I, I, I I I need to back up here for just one second. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a verse here that seems kind of out of place in the prayer as well. I mean, the weeds one was kind of crazy. But notice, I want us to focus in on this for a second. We're going to take just an extra minute or two. I promise I'll still get you out of here late. No worries. <laughs> notice what he said here in verse 8. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Huh? Huh? <laughs> What is it saying? Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. That's a good little verse right there. You might want to circle that, might want to underline that, might want to meditate on that one. What has Jonah just experienced? In chapter 1, he is in this ship with who? A bunch of pagan sailors, right? Right? A bunch of pagan sailors. I just picture, you know, some guy like Popeye. <laughs> I am what I am, and that's all that I am. Some of you kids have no clue. Google it. Ask your daddy. He'll tell you. <laughs> but here's these sailors on here, and they've got all these, this, they're, they're pagans. They've got all these false idols and false gods. And they have been crying out and doing everything they can to get relief in the midst of the storm to no avail. There's no help. There's no help. So that it gets so bad that the captain, Pegleg, comes down. I'm sorry, I just wanted to throw that one in. I just imagine him coming down and, you know, anyway. He comes down to the bottom of the ship and he says, Look, Jonah, you need to wake up, man. Arise, wake up. I always like doing that near the end of the sermon because usually there's somebody who's kind of dozed off. And sometimes I even hit the pulpit, wake up! Huh? You know, anyway, if you were asleep, my apologies. Well, not really. But he says, wake up! Call on your God. Maybe he'll hear and then maybe he'll relieve this situation. And of course, if Jonah doesn't tell them the good news because I believe he tells them the good news based upon what ended up happening in the story. They would have been helpless and hopeless. Now, I don't know if Jonah finds out. I mean, obviously, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he knows what happened because he penned it. 
But I don't know, did it happen immediately? Did he find out later? Did he, you know, is, he, is he later hanging out at Joppa, you know, having a little coffee? Because Hebrews, I don't know. Yeah, sorry. And he finds out, hey, you were the guys on the ship. Yeah, man, oh, I wonder what happened. Oh, yeah, well, we're serving the Lord now. Thank you for sharing that good news. We've been down at the temple, man. It's awesome. Appreciate you witnessing to us. I don't know if that happened. Maybe Jonah's sinking down and he's, you know, drowning. He's in the fish and, man, I got it bad, but I know those guys got it worse. At least I know God. They didn't know God. Maybe that's part of his wondering. But when I look at this verse and it says, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. I think it became very real to him in this moment. He's got a lot of contemplation time in the, in the middle of this, you know, belly of this fish. People who don't know this true God, they're left to their own devices. And just as Jonah was doing, Jonah wasn't wanting to submit his life to the true God, even though he knew Him. And so instead, he was trying to create God in his image to suit him. Because he didn't want those wicked people hearing that. He didn't want that to... He did, and so he was trying to get God down on his level. He was guilty of idolatry. He was guilty of, uh, if you will, serving a worthless God himself. And he was running and forsaking the very mercy that God wanted to give him. But he also knew and recognized, and I think probably he did, that... In sharing the truth, those men on that ship, after they toss him overboard, it says that they begin to sacrifice and pay vows to the Lord. They begin to turn to God. I think there was repentance. I think there was salvation in those men. And now we see this parallel beginning to happen in Jonah's situation. Though he knew God already, he was laying down his own idolatry. And so, Christian, I ask you this morning, what are the idols of your heart? What are the idols of my heart? What ways are we trying to put God down on our playing field? And we talked about how sometimes we'll target people groups and, and maybe it'll be those enemies over there in that country. We need to just nuke them. That's the attitude of Jonah, wasn't it? Those Ninevites, they're wicked. Just wipe them out, God. I don't want to take the gospel there. And so, Jonah, in his prayer, offers this phrase. And then he goes on, and we see this communion in verse 9, but I will sacrifice to you. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. You see, and that's why, again, I think there's this, he's, he's thinking back to chapter 1. He's thinking back because when you look at how chapter 1 unfolds with those sailors and how they, they sacrificed to the Lord and they paid vows to the Lord, and, and, and again, now he makes this phrase about uh, forsaking the, the, the mercy of God because of those worthless idols. He comes to this repentant conclusion that I will sacrifice to you. I will surrender that compartmentalized section of my life. I will lay down that idolatrous thing of my life that's tripping me. And I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Guys, God is worthy of our praises. And regardless of the circumstances, He's in the belly of a fish with seaweed around His head. Thank you, Lord. It took that to wake him up. It wasn't the captain of the ship that woke him up. It was the masters of the sea. It was the, it was the captain of a soul. That's what woke him up. God woke him up. And he said, I'll pay vows of thanksgiving. I will, I will pay what I vowed. Salvations of the Lord. He was helpless. There was nothing he could do. Apart from God's grace, apart from God's mercy. Guys, there was nothing you and I could do to change our circumstances and our situation. We deserve death. It's not by man's works of righteousness. 
That's not what saves you and me. Going to church doesn't save you. Reading your Bible doesn't save you. Those are worthless idols. It's when we call upon the name of the Lord, the only name given under heaven amongst men by which to be saved. It's when we have a repentant heart. It's when we turn to a holy God and cry out for help. His grace has already been provided. He's already provided the means. And it's through His Son, Jesus Christ. So when did Jonah repent? The answer is found in seeing repentance as more than a one-time event. See, some of you are holding on to, yeah, well, I'm saved. I remember that day I walked the aisle and I prayed that prayer and I wrote it in my Bible the date. And if that's you, great. Praise God. That's awesome. But guys, repentance is not a one and done. That's not understanding salvation in a mature way. That's just understanding justification. That's like opening the doors and just barely stepping in. That's great. But that's not it. It's not a one time. It must continue. It must mature. Repentance is an ongoing work of God. It's an event, but it's also a process. Repentance is not a human work. Some people misunderstand this sometimes when they hear this shared that somehow that, oh, well, then I got to do this. No, 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 you can't do this. You can't. But God can. And He who's begun a good work in you will complete it. You're you're an active participant, though, in the grace of God in that God wants you to live out what He's worked in. That's why He says He works in, you work out. Check the Scriptures on that. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean you earn your salvation. That just means that which He's worked in, that grace that He's given you, now that you've understood that, now that you've been born again, now that the lights come on and you understand what life's purpose is about, now I need to walk it out. Now I need to live it out. It's a work of regeneration in the heart. The Spirit draws us to salvation. The power of conviction causes us to repent, to turn, to turn from our running from God. And instead of fleeing God, rebelling towards God, it helps us to come to God on His terms, not ours. We come to Him for our need of forgiveness, for salvation and continued repentance. Justification, sanctification, glorification. That is salvation. All the way through. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So what about the puke of the great fish? This is it. We're going to finish it out. Five after 12 or then some. We're getting you there. Puke of the great fish. Notice what it says here. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. We talked about this. I should, have said, I should have made the outline from the ship to the shark to the shore. Your son Barnett said that he liked the other one a little better, you know, from the womb to the tomb to the resurrection. Boom! Anyway. I digress. Here we go. What about the puke of the great fish? This shows his power over creation. He speaks and it obeys. He spoke and the, and the sea went silent. He spoke to the fish. The first Uber picked up his passenger. Right? The prepared fish pukes him onto dry land. He's going to Tarshish. No, you ain't. We're going this way. Hang on, Bo. See we ride of your life. And he spits him on the dry land. Imagine what that must have been like to go from darkness. Three days. To light. How free he must have felt. I bet the first thing he did was took that seaweed and got it off of his stinking head. Oh, my soul. I thought that was a giant crab or spider. 
He went from death to deliverance. Conclusion. Jonah belonged to God. Believer, believer, so do you. So do you. You know, it reminds me when I see this puking of the fish of Revelation 3, 13 and 19. If you want to turn there real fast, last section here I want to look at. Revelation 3, 13 through 19. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich. I've become wealthy. I have no need of nothing. Do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and, and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and, and anoint your eyes with salve that you may see as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Church, I can't help but think of that passage when I look at the life of Jonah. Jonah belonged to God and he was fleeing from God. And I wonder how many of us this morning are fleeing from God. And I'm reminded of what the Spirit says to the churches. And he calls for us to be zealous, repent, get right. The salvation of Jonah reminds us that God's means of saving us are not those we would have chosen. God does not save us according to our preferences, but according to His provision. The great fish would not have been Jonah's choice of accommodations. But as unpleasant as the belly of the fish was, it did the job. And sometimes we find ourselves in such... Trials, testings, sufferings. Let God have His way. Recognize who's brought the circumstances. And know that there's a provision to be right. And return to the Lord in that. So what are your circumstances? Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Turn to Him. Forsake the empty idols that fill your heart. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Let's pray. Father, forgive us the worthless idols that fill our lives, our minds, Lord, forgive us when we flee in areas that belong to you. We compartmentalize our faith and we say, anywhere God but there. Jonah said, anywhere but Nineveh. Anywhere God but Nineveh. I don't want to go there. Lord, who are the Ninevehs, the Ninevites in our life? Maybe it's that nasty co-worker that you just can't stand. Maybe it's that neighbor that I've had that dispute with and, and maybe even had to go to court over a situation. I don't know who the Ninevites are in the people's lives that sit here today. Lord, you do. You know the Ninevites of my life. Lord, you've told us to love our enemies. You've told us to pray for those who persecute us, those who 
who use us. Lord, help us to display the love of Christ in our lives and through our lives. Help us to yield every area, every room of this temple. It belongs to you. And so, God, we cry out this morning in the, from the belly of the fish. It's dark here, Lord. We've got seaweed on our head. Lord, deliver us from this pit. Bring light to our life. Help us to see again. Salve to our eyes. Close to enrobe us of righteousness that come from your hand of grace. Lord, help us to recognize, and as Jonah prayed, let us pray this morning with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for preparing a way. Thank you that you deliver us from death and darkness into life and light because of the provision of your Son, Jesus Christ. May we look to Him daily in repentance. And may we follow, not flee, for your name's sake. So in this closing moment, I want to give you just a, a, a little time here to reflect. And I want you to talk to God in your own heart, right where you're at. And I want you to take just a few minutes to surrender your heart, your life, to Christ. In whatever area you need to surrender, let the Spirit of God search you and try you and consume all your darkness. Spirit of God, I trust that you are at work. And Lord, I pray that we will put feet to these prayers by taking steps of faith. And we'll continue about the mission that you've called us to. May we proclaim the good news and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's for his name's sake that we pray and we ask these things thanking you, knowing you hear us. We give you the glory. In Jesus' holy name, amen.